Got three bars already changed, one battery, got enough room on the uh, chip card, whatever you kids are calling the floppy disk that's the size of my thumbnail. Gotta remember, Dave, I'm from a different time, man. Before, before cell phones, I remember when you dialed out uh, on a telephone, you had to uh, rotate uh, this giant dial that you could screw up at any time and get right to the end, you know, of your favorite seven digit number. You know, the one, like it was like a game, Dave, when you were uh, dialing somebody up on the rotary phone. You know, if you had that friend that was like, you know, five, two, five, and you could do it real fast and you get like right to the end of the sequence and there'd always be like a big zero and so you go all the way to the back and grab the zero and you go to swing it around and you get through like a, you like short stroke it and screw it up. You know, think of it like when you're, you're using a pump action shotgun and you kind of short stroke it and it double feeds and what a pain in the ass that is. is a jam to clear. You know, that, that was what it was like to, uh, to play with the rotary phone. It's almost like a game if you get through your favorite number like perfectly. <clears throat> You know, and then of course, I saw a great one the other day. It said, this generation will never know the absolute horror of having like your parent pick up the phone while you're talking to like the girl you like. <laughs> Nothing worse, you know? Uh, hello, and you, hear, you hear the rotary phone starting. So you're in the middle of like a deep conversation with a girl, and all of a sudden you'll you'll hear the phone pick up, and you'll be like, "Uh oh, right, careful what you say." The phone's pick, and then you know, like, is she listening? And then all of a sudden she would start dialing, which you know, in retrospect, now I'm sure if I asked my parents, like you know, uh, 30 years later, they probably would admit to me they did it on purpose. Uh, in an effort to break my stride, uh, you know, and they'd start dialing in the middle of a conversation. You'd have to wait for them to get to that last zero, and then they'd screw it up and they put them, <laughs> they put the receiver down and pick it up again and be like, "Ma, ma, stop! I'm on the phone," you know. And you'd be talking to that girl, and all of a sudden, the realization that you live at home and you, you know, you've got parents, it, it could really mess your program up. But uh, yeah, so. You know, speaking of which, I, I find myself uh, thinking quite often about my childhood now. Uh, actually, hanging out with you has reminded me that I was young once. So I look back a little further, and I, I definitely was thinking back to, you know, things I ate, you know, as a kid versus what I ate today. And what I found is that, uh, you know, like I remember growing up and there was like friends. They all had like, you know, uh, Zuigeti and, you know, Alphabets. And I remember as a child thinking, you know, that I was raised to think that was wrong. That anybody would eat pasta out of a can. And, of course, I think it was probably university before I even, like, tasted it. Like, I think on a dare uh, or a bet I lost. And I, I know that I put it to my lips and I thought, oh, my God, it's, it's not even tomato sauce. It's like ketchup. <laughs> it's so, it's so Dave. Like, I, mean, I, I know that you have never put that shit in your body. I, God knows you've turned out okay. I'm starting to think that all the kids that ate like the, you know, uh, dinner in a can, they didn't turn out so good. I, I'm going to call it, uh, you know, byproduct of consuming too many uh, mass produced, you know, chemicals. 
Uh, but like, I, yeah, like I remember like tasting it and thinking, oh my God, it's like swimming in sugar and it's not even pasta. Like what, like whatever that is that they call pasta, that mush that's in the shape of like letters of the alphabet. I definitely don't want anything to do with it. I like, I remember tasting it and thinking, oh my God, my grandmother would put a bullet in me if she saw me eating zooigeti or, you know, I remember as a child thinking it was kind of cool. You know, you'd see these dancing cartoon letters, uh, you know, with capes on and, and fangs and they, they named them Scarios. At one point, I guess, in a marketing strategy, you know, to uh, get kids to want their parents to buy this junk. And like when I say junk, I mean, like it's like ugh. It's, it looks like something uh, thrown up by somebody, you know, half digested. That's that's what it looks like to me in a can. And yet people are still eating that crap. And, you know, and then it comes right back to the hunters and the healthy meal. And, you know, I explained to somebody that that's, you know, that's the way meat should taste. Believe it or not, it, it's different. And it just it tastes better. And, I mean, it's just like, you know, fishing and bonking a fish on the head. I mean, if you've ever had fresh fried fish, you know, that you've caught, it's like outstanding. You know, melts in your mouth, and it's so healthy. And yet, you know, people still get down on those hunters. I'm really glad that the um, I managed to get the uh, podcast with Bugsy in. Uh, what a great guy he is to talk to, and I'm sure he's going to become a fixture on the show. We got a couple of uh, great ones lined up. We got more uh, more interesting characters and personalities that you are going to uh, have an opportunity to be introduced to. Uh, really looking forward to it. So I was thinking that. You know, I would do uh, an entire evening without talking about guns, but I know that's not going to happen. Uh, there's just too much going on in the world of firearms to uh, to ignore the news. And, you know, to, to talk about this one, this is kind of important, uh, I think, truly. Uh, you know, t- can't talk about this enough, folks, that uh, mass shooting in the United States. Uh, that one's going to come back to bite us, I have no doubt, uh, especially that it was performed uh, with a uh, semi-automatic, uh, seemingly legally purchased uh, firearm. And, you know, uh, people are definitely going to get down on that one. Uh, I'm not sure how they're going to try and pull it off. Uh, I, I don't know if they're going to do like an outright ban and just demand people turn stuff in, and, you know, under threat of, you know, we'll put you in jail, uh, you know frightening as it may sound and impossible as though it may sound i uh am gonna have to agree with brian and would say i put nothing um beyond this government's sort of reach uh into the bag of dirty tricks on the subject of firearm ownership i mean we we have the touchy-feely government of the century uh in power right now uh definitely you know emotionally driven people making decisions up in there and we're expecting that they're going to just like ignore us uh no i don't think so historically it hasn't happened that way i don't think that's the way it's going to be again uh i was around for the last uh, batch of really meaningful discussion regarding the generation of new firearms legislation i remember They said, let's celebrate how amazing firearm ownership is. And we're going to ask you to register some things. And I mean, this is a, this is going to be a reminder for some and maybe an eye opener for others, but I survived the mid nineties. Uh, the nineties were not a good time for firearm owners. There were several high profile shootings, uh, locally in Ontario 
And uh, certainly there was a demand from the public that something be done. You know, uh, there was like something like a summer of the gun. Uh, There were innocent people that were shot with firearms being used by criminals that were obtained illegally. And yet, you know, there was this ridiculous batch of rules. And I mean, we all sat around and said that, uh, you know, as, as gun owners, uh, there were people that marched, there were people that were more active, uh, you know, and, and certainly uh, TV coverage of the event was like nominal uh, at best. I think they brought in the cameras before everybody arrived uh, to make out like there was, you know, it was like a ghost town. Uh, but the truth is, is... <laughs> As sad as it may sound, I think that would happen again. So we're probably going to have to provide our own media uh, for any rally or a point of rally that we make uh, at some point when we realize that this government is not going to leave us alone. Uh, You know, there are people out there that are saying, you know, stop bringing false alarms. I believe in being prepared for the worst. It, It served me well as a police officer. Uh, kind of got a nose for things when they're about to go wrong. I'm smelling it. If it doesn't happen, fantastic. I don't mind being wrong on this one. i uh, like to be wrong on this one. But I think the truth is, is that we'd all be naive to think that this government is going to leave us alone. And they keep pushing back the rules. And I can't help but see what, in my opinion, uh, could well be that a number of things are being put forward and are probably being looked at. And uh, I'm sure the powers that be are, are being told. Uh, we can't possibly implement this in this time frame or uh, we don't have the manpower or you couldn't do this. I, I'm imagining there's a little bit of back and forth going on uh, between, you know, enforcement branch and management and something's coming down and they're just trying to figure out a way to, you know, make it happen, uh, you know, hopefully in a fair way, uh, if there is such a thing in all this, uh, but definitely something's coming down the pike. And if it doesn't happen, it's only because they realize we're getting cohesive. Uh, We're getting organized. Uh, We're getting louder uh, is definitely uh, something that should be on the minds of those in liberal power. You have a majority government. That's fine. We're kind of rallying. Uh, Got a lot of free thinkers in this bunch. You know, they enjoy getting their own meals and definitely not the kind of people that like to play on the sidelines. They're getting organized. And so if you're in the Liberal Party and you think that we're just going to roll over, uh, that might be an unfair assumption. I like the idea of people tuning into what we're saying here. I like the idea of educating the public. I believe in putting the best foot forward uh, for this firearm community, uh, what I consider to be Canada's finest citizens. Uh, I saw it as a police officer. Uh, I definitely have been exposed to it for well over 20 years. Uh, I've never seen a better bunch of people, and I've never seen uh, grouping more mistreated historically uh, without justifiable cause. And so I think that it's really important that everybody get down with the program. I want you to spread this around, folks. Get into the different forums. Uh, talk to your board you know, uh, directors uh, for your gun club. I want everybody to know that the Canadian Gun Vault is speaking for a lot of people. Can't speak for everyone, but as long as people keep giving me a pat on the back saying I'm doing the right thing, I'm going to voice an opinion. I think it's important that we get heard. You know, if this is the way it happens, fantastic. If somebody wants to come up with a better idea, be my guest. Uh, I put this thing together because I love the firearm community. I love you guys. I think you're great people. I think you've really been uh, the underdog for a long time. I love the idea of fighting for your cause. Uh, You know, I retired from being a police officer, but I always like taking care of people. So I'm thinking I'm taking care of a big group of people. So let's get a louder voice together. That means you got to share it. 
You got to spread this around. I want everybody to know what the Canadian Gun Vault is, what it represents, and hopefully uh, it's going to be the vehicle by which we get some things done. I'm definitely thinking that there's uh, a time in everyone's lives where they got to start to think about things like what's right. Um, if they should decide as a result of everything that's been going on in the news, uh, that has nothing to do with Canada, that they're going to trample on your personal rights, your human rights, your basic rights, uh, your rights to property, whether enshrined in law or not. I mean, if it's your stuff, you paid for it, you paid taxes on it, uh, they should give you a good reason before they take it. And I think that's something that we can't, um, overstate. If the government's going to decide that you can't have something they told you you could have and you paid good money on it, if they're going to take it away from you and, and not compensate you in some way, uh, basically what they're saying is, is they own, uh, they own the property and you know, more or less they own you, you worked for it. <laughs> so I don't like the idea of being put in that kind of position. I could see exactly why, you know, uh, rights and freedoms are, you know, enshrined. And uh, certainly not the kind of thing that we should open and close in terms of debate, uh, you know, very lightly. But I think we got to start to really look at things like, you know, rights as it relates to property uh, owned by uh, firearm owners. I mean, it's definitely time to see some changes. Uh, I, I hate every time that there's changes that the firearm community I love suffers. So let's do what we can to, uh, you know, alter the course of uh, where the future is going to take us. And on a uh, less exciting note, uh, let's see what else has gone on this week. You know, I've had uh, I've had an opportunity to you know speak to a couple of really great people uh, in the industry. Um, you know, if I hadn't already mentioned it, uh, Sig Sauer uh, impressed the shit out of me uh, with you know their their range day. I, I, I honestly, there's just so much that I found incredible about that day, uh, from the gear to the people to the, uh, you know, the growth that they've shown, uh, what an amazing, uh, bunch of people and, uh, an exciting way to spend a, a day, uh, with Six Hour, uh, you know, and, uh, Pete Lanza of MT Charlton. Like we had such a fantastic time, uh, really looking forward, uh, to uh, potentially working with you guys in the future, uh, and spending a little bit more time together discussing, uh, you know, some of the things that I think are important and, uh, hopefully are important to you too. Uh, I, I think it's really important that the, uh, the industries get involved, uh, in this. Uh, you know, there's a lot at stake, uh, you know, beyond personal freedom. Uh, you know, there's a lot of money here in the economy, you know, gun owners like, you know, and, and the hunters, uh, really do drive, you know, uh, quite a bit of money into this, uh, economy. And I think further restrictions, uh, you know, undeserved for the restrictions, uh, in, in a system that's already overcomplicated. And I mean, just a mess of, you know, ambiguous, uh, law, uh, that's subject to much interpretation. I mean, which is another scary thing. <clears throat> if you make the mistake of getting the wrong guy on the wrong day, uh, when you get into law that's, uh, created so, you know, blurrily, uh, is that, if that's a word, I don't know if it is, but it, you get people to generate law that's just not, uh, well thought out. And then you have officers interpreting, uh, that law. Um, 
And I mean, I, I've been involved in the industry. I mean, it depends depends on who you get, the mood they're in, and you know how the staff sergeant's feeling that day. If he thinks it flies, like I mean, you don't want to have laws written uh, by people that don't understand the law or the things that they're writing about, because what it does is it really unnecessarily exposes people uh, potentially to. Um, uh, suffering, <laughs> for lack of a better term. I mean, if you get somebody that uh, breaks the law as it relates to firearms, like in addition to like ridiculous fines, if you decide to defend yourself, you're you're looking at somewhere in the neighborhood of you know fifty or sixty thousand dollars upwards. Um, you know. <laughs> Like, not the kind of thing that you want kind of left the subject of interpretation. And so it's really important that we get people behind the wheel that know what they're talking about. Uh, I think, you know, if... It's one thing to have kind of the liberals making up the rules and then having like a panel of experts offer them, you know, advice on the subject, but it's like the total opposite. Uh, you know, we don't know what the people up top want other than to, you know, take assault weapons off our streets. But like, what does that mean? Uh, does that mean let's just take them away from everybody? Like, I mean, that's that's the kind of thing we got to start to think about. Uh, you know, we got people up there that seem to have a kind of skewed sort of uh, sense of what's right and wrong. Uh, the entire liberal party uh, stood up and voted down a motion by the conservative opposition uh, to have um, members of the political community repay back uh, any expenses incurred in the commission of a, an offense or a violation of ethics. Uh, they voted it down. Like, I mean, it's all MPs. Okay, so basically what you're saying is anybody that screws up and breaks the law, screwing up and gets caught, it cannot be forced to give back. Well, I'm, I'm thinking with all of them standing up, that might mean that there's the potential that they all done something wrong and they've just insulated themselves from making sure that it never, it never becomes financially a problem for anybody. I think that's the kind of thing that we should take as a clear warning sign that maybe some things are coming. Uh, if you've got an entire grouping of people towing the party line when it's like so ass backwards wrong, I mean, you got to start to think about things like, well, that's not looking right. And I mean, when historically you're the, the grouping of people that get trampled on, uh, I'd like to think that amongst all these other people getting trampled on, I, like I think deep down inside a lot of gun owners are like looking around at the liberal government and like the carnage they're wreaking on this country and they're they're looking around and going, yeah, you kind of, th there you go. Now you kind of know what we've been feeling like for the last 30 years. Like, I mean, there has been some, some small part of me that was like, yeah, well, you know, for all those times you look the other way. And you said, like, well, it's just guns. I don't give a shit. Uh, you know what? Like, I mean, if you're feeling the pinch of a government doing some crazy things to you, whether you're a veteran that's been denied benefits of some kind, uh, you know, you're standing up there on one leg and Justin Trudeau is looking at you saying, you, you're, unfortunately, you're asking for more than we're willing to give at this point. Um, I mean, I, I keep thinking back to that moment where I watched that video clip of that young man. Uh, standing in front of Justin Trudeau on one leg, the other leg horribly, you know, um, you know, nerve damaged. And I mean, th you can tell that he is, you know, a survivor of combat. And this, this prime minister with a straight face looks him in the eye and says, I'm afraid you're asking for too much. Uh, you know, while I'm shoveling uh, millions and billions of dollars uh, into places that seemingly are, you know, not, uh, not really necessary. 
uh, you know, to, to have a government in place that, you know, can behave that way, to think that they're going to leave, be, leave behind in the uh, wreckage, you know, uh, no evidence of the firearm community, I think that you'd be uh, pretty mistaken uh, to just assume that that's not going to happen. Uh, I think it's coming, folks. I, uh, I don't want to ring alarm bells. I'm sure that nobody else has really, uh, you know, heard anything concrete yet, but I'm getting that bad feeling something's coming by the spring. So we should really be organized. I really like the idea of everybody out there spreading this around, getting me into the different forums. Uh, the Canadian Gun Vault is definitely looking to be a voice for the firearm community. Uh, you know, we're, we're really going to get a little political. I hate the idea of doing it, folks. It's, uh, it's something I loathe, but unfortunately, we got to get into that. I mean, I could sit here and tell you that it's not just a gun issue. It's a freedom issue. And there's so many things that are really important that we pay attention to now. If we can all find a common thread, uh, perhaps in these podcasts uh, or the Instagram or the Facebook uh, postings, um, you know, we have a lot going on. We love the idea of just taking care of this firearm community as best we can. And part of that means uh, definitely giving you the latest news and uh, taking a closer look, you know, at what's going on out there and uh, bringing you some excitement and some fun too. Got to remember why we're uh, fighting for this. So we'll be running some events. Uh, I hope as many of you can make it out as you can. Anyway, that's about all the time I have for uh, tonight's episode. I hope you've enjoyed it. And as always, Canada, shoot straight, stay safe.